Friday. Sam, you want to pop that down? We'll get into the meat of the matter here in the second hour of the Radio Ranch RBN to Sunday night edition. Roger Sales, your host. Uh, Sam, was there another caller there in queue or not? Janet in Ohio. Oh, Janet in Ohio. What part <laughs> of Ohio are you in? Columbus, the capital oh, city. <laughs> there you go. Well, I was just hoping you weren't too close to up there to East Palestine or Stein no, or however you pronounce it. Yeah, and I'm glad I, uh, yes, that's that's about an hour away. But, you know, the, the evening that they did the, um, you know, the, the evening of the derailment, I had my window, my bath, my bedroom window open, and I could could have sworn that I smelled something odd. Now, you know, the wind was blowing, and so I said, oh, my goodness, I hope it's not that poison, you know, uh, those poison fumes coming from East Palestine. But anyway, um, I really feel badly for the for the folks up oh, there. I, I feel terrible. Well, you guys had your own little incident there with that foundry on the outskirts of Ohio, of Columbus, right? Had the a metal what? foundry? It was a metals oh. foundry that burned, and part of that metals foundry was a bullet manufacturing unit. Oh, where was this? Was Columbus. It happened about a week ago, and the, there was a plane that flew up with five scientists out of Little Rock to Columbus from a, uh, a consulting firm, and they had a diversity hire pilot, and the plane crashed, and they were all killed. Oh my goodness! True, that's true story. So well, I, now but, I did hear about the plane crash, but the bullet factory, I did not. Well, hear it was about. a metal. It was a metals foundry, but they had a, a small a bullet manufacturing unit to it. Was what I heard. Wow, you know, it, it, it's it, it really makes you question what the government is really doing i mean we you know, know what they're really doing they they're trying to get rid of us depopulate as many of us as they possibly can but yep. it's unreal it is well, unreal you use the term, this is where you get down into real specifics, and the the words and the terms we use create reality, okay? Yeah. And you just said yeah. something about the government, okay? Well, they're yeah. not the government. We're the government. We have a contract. Yeah. It's called You're the Constitution. Right. We elect representatives. They go up and supposedly, uh, with our interests in mind, and they pass legislation that's supposed to be constitutional, and then they hire agents to carry out that. We're dealing yeah. with the agents of government, not the government. And when you use that word, the government, there's a big nondescript blob. You know, it's like the old movie with Steve McQueen, the blob. Where do you attack it? Okay. Who is it? What's their name? I don't know. It's the government. When you go right. back and say you're an agent of government, I got your name. I got what you do. I got the parameters that you can do those things within. And you've been acting outside of them, and you're personally guilty, you little traitor. That's right. That's absolutely right. So we need to we need to do a whole revamping of all everyone well, in D.C. Well, <laughs> it, you know, what's important is that we start using the right words to identify the situation and, and live in the right reality. Mm, you know, wow. well, I mean, we all you here's here's some of them money. 
Did you go pay that money to that guy? It's not money. Money's gold and silver. That's currency. Yeah. It's debt. Did you go pay that guy that currency? You know, we used mm. to go in when in Georgia, we'd go up and we'd go check it out of a store, you know, and uh -huh. you get to the cashier and you go, do you still take Federal Reserve notes? Oh, no, we wouldn't take any of those. <laughs> so it's important <laughs> to use the correct words because those uh, it's using the wrong words that they've created this monster reality. It's us understanding it and using the correct words with the right definitions brings us into reality and possibly even the person we're talking to. Mm. Yeah. It's wow. important. You know, it's just, uh, it's, as I, uh, this, I, I coined this. I'll be happy to tell you. I take credit for this. Okay. Sticks, and, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can just enslave me. Oh. That's good. That's it is. Kind of makes you think. Yeah. Here's another yes, one. Here's another one. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them think. Oh, okay. Think about whether or not they want to drink, huh? <laughs> <That's> <laughs> think good. about what. Hey, most of them can't think about anything, is my experience, but whatever. Wow. Um, well, okay. Well, uh, uh, I called you for a specific reason. Ooh, and, that reason and that reason is I wanted to ask you about the affidavit. Um, I would like to know, well, one, I'm African-American, and you have one on the site Oh, uh, don't look at those. No, don't look at those. Those are old. There is no color differentiation here, and I'm glad you let oh, us know that you're right. African American. Okay. Now, this is the okay. way. You know, I tell people that this is a process. It's not an event. The event is when you cross paths with the information and you were receptive to it. Everything from that point forward is a process, okay? okay? And because of the history and the overriding things that we think we know, like the Jim Crow laws. Okay. Right. Well, uh -huh. were the Jim Crow laws white and black? No. Jim Crow was a political status situation. The whitey of Jim Crow was the state citizen, and the Jim Crow was the new federal citizenship. So it, mm. it's just that they were predominantly black, okay? Okay. And so it wasn't a, an ethnic issue. They've made it into one because they want to pit us against each other. Okay. Yeah. But really, yep. it's a political uh, a political status definition. Whitey was a state citizen, and Jim Crow was a new federal citizen. Now this gets really interesting. Okay. I've never heard anybody comment on this. And it's just because I've been in this so deep for so many years that you can see the nuances. You can't see them initially. You've got to get really familiar with the information. The mm -hmm. case that's the benchmark or the landmark decision on the 14th Amendment is called the Slaughterhouse Cases. Have you ever heard of those? No, I haven't. Okay, well, that's really interesting, okay? The uh, 14th Amendment passed in 1868, and this was in 1871. So it was the first time that these principles were put in front of the Supreme Court, all right? And the situation was really, really unusual. It came out of Louisiana. Several of these real big cases have come out of Louisiana, okay? And what happened, of course, Louisiana was French territory, okay? So even after we took over the state, there was a lot of French people that still lived there and owned plantations and whatnot. And I don't know if you've heard about how the French are with their meat and stuff, 
you know, if you go to France and you see the meat hanging up outside with flies on it right. and stuff like that, yeah. right? Right. I mean, they're kind of notorious for that, from what I hear. All right. Well, what would happen was these French butchers, uh, the plantation owners, they'd butcher their animals there on the plantation, and whatever they didn't use, well, they just go out and throw it in the Mississippi River. Mm. And so all of the, the carcasses and the contents, whatever, would go downstream, and New Orleans gets its drinking water from the Mississippi River. And it was oh contaminating the drinking water of New Orleans, all right? And so the state of Louisiana passed a law, uh, the Slaughterhouse Law, and what they said is under the public health, the authority the state had over to oversee the public health, which is legitimate, okay? They said if you've got a plantation and you want to slaughter animals, we're going to set up state-sponsored slaughterhouses and you can only slaughter your animals at one of those and then they'll dispose of all the remnants of the animal but these people in some instances had to go great distances back and forth where they didn't have to before okay right and so after the passage of the 14th amendment they all got together and started filing cases inside louisiana uh and, and there were so many of them that they gathered them all together that's why it's plural the slaughterhouse cases okay and okay. it mm -hmm. went to the louisiana supreme court and went eventually to the united states supreme court and the problem they had was there were a bunch of white french butchers and they were bringing that case to the Supreme Court under the Privileges and Immunities, which is the second clause of the 14th Amendment, okay? And so the Supreme Court says, well, you know, we empathize with you. We empathize with you. But you're white butchers, and this was written for former black slaves, okay? So we can't rule on it. We ruled against them, remanded it, you know? If you can bring us up... If you can bring the case up on something we can decide it on, well, we'll look at it, but we can't decide it on this because it doesn't apply to you. Okay. Wow. Oh, it's a fantastic case, and the most interesting part about it is that it was just like if we were saying here, say, you remember January the 6th a couple of years ago when all those people got arrested there at that big Trump rally? It was like yep. we lived through that, see? And yep. the guys that wrote this decision lived through this time period, okay? But no. there's one part of the case there that is incredibly interesting. And it starts out – I wish – I'm going to have to paraphrase it for you, okay? And it starts okay. out – uh, because of the recent Dred Scott decision. Well, you know what Dred Scott did. You know, has a pretty famous yeah. decision. Okay? okay. Well, Dred Scott was a, a slave, black guy that escaped up to Illinois. He got into a state that was a free state. Right. Said he was free. They ruled against him. And so part of the 14th Amendment came from Dred Scott. Okay, and that's what it's telling you in the case there. And it says it was also a discussion uh, in in Washington, uh, primarily in the newspapers, in political circles, and in the journals that whether a, a man who was born and raised in Washington D.C. or the territories not only was not a citizen of the United States because there was only state citizenship. There hmm. was no federal citizenship. And for those people that were born and raised in D.C. and the territories to become citizens of the nation, they had to have an amendment to the Constitution. Mm -hmm. That's the loophole they drove the 14th Amendment through. But now let's, let's look at that for a second. You can't tell me that everybody born and raised in D.C. and the territories was black. I ain't buying it. Right. 
there were other ethnicities, probably multiples of ethnicities, that were born and raised in D.C. and the territories, and they became 14th Amendment citizens, too, because up to that point, they had no political status. Hmm. Now, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? And see, you never heard anybody talk about it. You can read these old cases. They automatically assign it to the black race. Okay, and it wasn't, and it's obvious from that example I just gave you that it wasn't. But I've never right. heard anybody write on it, mention it, allude to it, or anything. Well, you know, I I love to research and I love history, so you can bet that I will go back and read what I can find on the slaughterhouse okay. cases. Okay, well, I'm going to give you another real important one to go read too. Okay, that okay. is real. It came out of Louisiana also, and it's called Plessy v. Ferguson. Plessy with a P. Plessy yep. v. Ferguson. Have you ever heard of that case? Yep. Oh, you have. Most that people. Has have. Yeah, it has something. I, I, I say it's the most important Supreme Court case that you've never heard another patriot researcher mention. <laughs> wow. Okay, I so this, well, the, the Jim Crow laws came into effect after 1868. Okay, it wasn't a black-white issue. It was a political status issue. But they morphed mm -hmm. it into a black-white issue. Okay, uh -huh. so mm -hmm. the Jim Crow laws were in effect from 1868 up until they were challenged in 1894. Another Supreme Court case out of Louisiana. All right, there was a progressive newspaper down there that had a big reach, but evidently along the whole East Coast, because they took up a donation to challenge Jim Crow, all right? And they raised $3,000 back in the 1800s. That's a lot of wow. money back then, okay? Sure was. And so yeah. then they went out and they found Plessy. They had to go hunt Plessy up. And they mm. hunted him up specifically because he was nine-tenths white and one-tenth black. Right. And they got Plessy, they dressed him up in his Sunday finest, they took him to the train station on an intrastate, not inter, intrastate railroad, so it's all in the jurisdiction of Louisiana, mm. and they put okay. him on the white-only railroad car. They had the detectives there to arrest him, they alerted the other newspapers in the area, themselves included, they arrested Plessy, and the very first lower court that it got to in Louisiana was district court down there of some sort, and the judge was Ferguson. And Ferguson ruled against them, so they enjoined Ferguson in the case, and it went to the Supreme Court. Okay, hmm. And the Supreme Court came back and said, now get this, separate but equal. Mm -hmm. They validated the Jim Crow laws with the thumbnail description of the case, separate but equal. Mm -hmm. How, so I'm going to ask you as a black woman, how can black restrooms and white restrooms, white uh, 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 drinking fountains, black drinking fountains, how can those be equal? <laughs> they aren't. Well, they are in the respect that they both had a political status it wasn't about color. What do you mean one it wasn't? Was, it, one was the new federal citizen. 
The other was the state citizen. It just manifested uh, itself in ethnicity. Oh, my goodness. You see what's going on here? Wow. Do they, the way that they wrap the political system around all of this mumble jumble. I mean, well, now I think I can sit here and prove to you now that we know the end game. That the Civil War, or as one of my better students calls it, the war to bring in the civil law, which is much more accurate, okay? Mm. I believe I can show you that the Civil War was fought to get the 13th and the 14th Amendment in the Constitution so they can control the world with it 100 years later. I believe I can prove that to you right on the front of those amendments now that we know what the end game is, okay? You want to hear that? You want to hear that? Yes, by all means. All right. Well, you take to me to school. I like this. <laughs> well, I, I, I love teaching too. Okay, so yeah. uh, here, if you you look leading up to it, after the Civil War, they let all of the Southern legislators back into Congress to vote on the Thirteenth in June. Six mm-hmm. months later, when they voted on the Fourteenth, they wouldn't let them back in. Not only that. Before they could get back into the Union, the new Union kicked out the southern states, which had just fought a war to secede. They wouldn't let them secede, but after the war, they kicked them out, and the only way they'd let them back in is if they ratified the 14th Amendment. What? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the 13th. Now, by virtue of the fact that they let all the Southern legislators back in to vote on it, the 13th is constitutional. The 14th is not. It's extra constitutional. But let's go to the 13th and analyze it just a little bit. I'm going to paraphrase it here for us, okay? And it says, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, unless a person has been duly convicted of a crime, shall exist within the states or their jurisdictions. Right. Seems Seems pretty simple on the surface, doesn't it? Yes, it does. It's not. Okay. What's left out? Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude. Voluntary servitude's not mentioned, is it? Therefore, huh. it's legal. Therefore, it's legal by omission, isn't it? Mm. If it's not um. expressly outlawed, it's legal, right? Yep. Okay. Now, granted, there's a clause in the Constitution that says you can't impair the ability to contract, and voluntary servitude is a contract. You're volunteering into the condition. Okay, but that's just an interesting little part of it. The meat of it is in the little word that you'd probably never ordinarily catch. And that's their, T-H-E-I-R, their jurisdictions. That's plural. That's the single states. See? Mm. Mm. So Mm. what Mm. were they doing with the 13th but setting up so they could capture all the state citizens under the new federal citizenship eventually. That's why there is in there. Okay? Now, let's go to the first clause of the 14th Amendment. The 14th Amendment, the first clause is the only thing we ever concentrate on. Okay? There's eight 
legal landmines in that sentence. All persons born or naturalized in the United States, comma, and subject to the jurisdiction thereof, comma, are citizens of the United States and the states wherein they reside. There's eight legal landmines in that sentence. Okay? So what the 14th Amendment is, is a two-prong legal test. You know, in legal circles, they say, well, to, do, to get that, it's got to meet all these prongs, and they have all these different little legal tests for different situations. Right. Well, this is a two-prong legal test. A person's got to be a person born or naturalized in the United States, and then the second prong is you've got to be subject to the jurisdiction thereof. It, notice, it doesn't say all persons born or naturalized in the United States are subject to the jurisdiction thereof. It says and. Well, if there's some mm. that are and, there's some that are and not, aren't they? Got to mm. be. Okay. So the second part, and subject, like the queen has subjects, jurisdiction, very important thereof, there's the second prong. So you've got to be born or naturalized. You've got to be, A, a person, a legal person. That means legal person, not person person. You've got to be a legal person born or naturalized in the United States. That's the first test. And you've got to be subject to the jurisdiction thereof is the second test, right? Wow. And if you meet both those tests, what are you? It tells you you're a citizen of the United States or a state wherein you reside, right? Huh. Well, there's the two questions, aren't they? Are you a citizen uh, of the United yeah. States? Are you a resident? Well, yeah, I am. I'll sign it right here. Well, I guess that makes you subject to the jurisdiction thereof. They took care of the front part of it, test prong number one with fraud. They ask you, do you agree with this? And you said yes, didn't you? Every time you were ever asked. Do you see this? They knew they were going to ask you those two questions in the 1860s. Wow. Do you see wow. that? <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Do you see these son of a bitches we're dealing with? You here? have true you have truly studied this thing, haven't you, Ryan? Oh, I know, I know it like inside out, backwards, forwards. Okay. I'm saying yes, you do, because you're you are recognizing all of these little loopholes that's coming back to haunt us. Now, so there have been some people along the way between yonder and now that saw it. Uh, there's another important case, U.S. versus Wong Kim Ark. It was two, two years after or three years after Plessy versus Ferguson in the 1890s, and it was a Chinaman, okay? And the two guys, the three guys that dissented on that case laid this out perfectly. One of them was the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, Fuller. The other was one of the greatest justices our country's ever produced, a guy named John Harlan, who they nicknamed the Great Dissenter. And they were both in on that dissent on Wong Kim Ark. And they say, if this goes back to the rule, they're talking about the, uh, the Civil Rights Act of 1866, which became the 14th Amendment. That was the legislative working title, okay? Mm -hmm. And they go back and say, if this adheres to this rule, this brought in the English common law variety of slavery to our country for the first time. It's the relationship of a liege man to a liege lord. It's absolute and unbending and unaffected by time and space. And it was brought into our country just as England was being relieved of its inconvenience. 
That's right there in a Supreme Court case, okay? A damned important one, too, Wong Kim Ark. That's the case all the Obama birthers used. It's the, it's the most important case ever decided by our high court on these issues of citizenship, denizenship, etc. Okay? Wow. Huh. So then, then Harlan, two years later in 1901, did a, a fabulous dissent, another one, uh, earned his nickname, in uh, a, a case, in a, a group of cases called the Insular Cases, which dealt with all these territories they were acquiring on the other side of the world, like American Samoa. And uh, in that dissent, the case is called Downs, D-O-W-N-E-S, Downs v. Bidwell. You can find it in Wikipedia. Of all places, they pulled his dissent out of that case and put it in Wikipedia. And he just come, he says, Whoa. ladies and gentlemen, we got, two, we got two different governments at the bar here. One of them is along the lines of the monarchies of Europe. The other's over here under our Constitution. Heaven forbid the day that we fall under that one of uh, the monarchs. I can't be anywhere near as eloquent as he was. It's a wonderful decision. He was a great justice. But there were people that saw it. Um, in my book, uh, Lewis T. McFadden, great, great great statesman out of Pennsylvania back in the last century. And uh, he was the head of the House Banking Committee for from the time he was elected to Congress in the teens until they murdered him in 1934 on the fourth attempt. But he, in one of his speeches he, he, on the floor of the House, he said, they're erecting a Machiavellian feudal system. A Machiavellian feudal system. And isn't that exactly descriptive of what this is? Mm, mm, mm. Wow. So you got a drink of water out of a fire hydrant, didn't you? Yes, I did, and I appreciate that. I this this it, it, again, it opens my it opens my mind, my spirit and everything to what is really really happening and what they have done over the years to you know, just to manipulate us as you <laughs> my goodness. You know, um, it's interesting, wow. President Harry Truman, who gave us things like Israel, um, in the middle of that, he was in a ceremony somewhere, and he had his vice president with him, and I do not know the guy's name, okay? But uh, the vice president wrote an autobiography, and he recounted this ceremony and this incident in his book. That's where it came from, that's what I'm going to tell you. And in the middle of the ceremony, he had something to do with Israel. And Harry Truman turned to his vice president. He said, Jesus Christ couldn't satisfy him 2,000 years ago. What the hell do you expect me to do? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Oh, um, my God. That's that who that's who, hey, listen, we're dealing with the same bunch he dealt with 2,000 years ago. They're doing wow. the same darn things. They got a lot more technology and money and influence, but we're we're doing the same rodeo right now again, girl. Well, I'll tell you what. I, uh, again, I, well, well, let me say this, Roger. I did join um, an organization some a couple of years ago who gave me, uh, all the information to get my state to become a state national. I, I went through all of the paperwork. However, I did not receive anything except the um, 
information back from the from the different departments that I sent them to because they told told us to send it certified mail, which I did. Well, um, I did receive, I did receive them back, but I really like your process because you know you're saying that you you should get something back from uh, Blinken. And, well, not necessarily. It depends on what you send him. You, you certainly, and of course, we encourage people to apply for a passport, include your affidavit, right. and you get a passport right. card. Now you got something that is proof of it. Exactly, exactly. And so that's what I'm looking to do, and that's why I called you because I would like to, uh, you know, I wanted that question answered. And, and now that you've said no, so which which affidavit do I use? Oh, don't go to that. Go over to the main website that's got all the information now. It's called The Matrix Docs, D-O-C-S, TheMatrixDocs.com, and there's a sample Uh affidavit down there. It doesn't mention anything about color because color doesn't have a darn thing to do with this. We know that now. We didn't know that back then. Okay. Yeah. All right. That'll work. They made us all equal. They made us all equal, see, with Brown versus Board of Education. And that's where it says in that policy statement from the State Department, all U.S. citizens are U.S. nationals. Okay, now those two are equal, right? Well, there's the first layer of fraud right there. How does a state citizen equal to a federal citizen? One of you gets God's rights and the other one gets man's civil rights. How the hell can those ever be equal? That's fraud. Okay, all right. Well, it's going to be, this is going to be interesting. And the other thing that I'd like to do after... After I get mine all situated and really dig down and research and everything, I would yeah. really like to help uh, promote this. We'd know, love to, to have you on there. If we can free the black man, we can free us all. We can free us all without that. But they've used you to enslave everybody. You ought to be pissed. Okay? Thank you. Talk to you soon. You are tuned in to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit our website by going to republicbroadcasting.org. Are you one of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs? For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try Hemp Paste by going to rbnhemppaste.com. That's rbnhemppaste.com. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our southern merchandise from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Reb's gun and leather shop. 
That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. My name is John, I'm the founder of Blackout Coffee, and I started uh, Blackout because I really love coffee. I've always loved coffee, and after traveling so much to Europe, South America, and trying so many different coffees that were so good, and uh, every time I came back uh, to the U.S., I was so disappointed with the coffee, so I figured that I had to do something about it. The biggest difference is really is on the beans and the roasting process, how we roast it and how fresh it is. The fresher the roast, the better the quality. Here I have like all, all of the coffee. It's roasted within one to two days prior to being shipped. So it literally gets to consumer's house within three to five days after being roasted. If you like coffee, you have to try ours. It's fresh roasted. It's one of the best beans that we can get, and you will definitely see the difference. Visit blackoutcoffee.com and use the coupon code REPUB10. That's REPUB10. All right, Mr. Sam. See if we can get back into the fray of things here. There's a couple of calls that came in since, like, uh, you got somebody else waiting in line? Andy in Minnesota. Hey, Andy. Oh, hey, Roger. Yo. Yes, sir. Uh, this is, I got a couple of questions, a couple notes, and um, uh, something I put up on Epoch Times. But I don't know if you got time for all of that. We'll see. <laughs> all right. We'll launch um, into it. Go, go ahead. ahead. No, I said okay. launch into it. Oh, okay. Launch into it. Uh, first of all, the note, I was there on January 6th. It was not an insurrection. That's no my claim way. to fame. Yep. Well, fortunately, <laughs> and, uh, nobody I think, identified you in any footage and uh, drug your ass back to D.C. Well, hopefully not. I, I woke up, uh, we, I got back, me and my pastor and a couple of guys from church drove down there and drove back. And I think the day after I got back, or maybe the, uh, a, a few days afterwards, I woke up with the thought just pounded into my mind, go to ground, go to ground, go to ground. You know, I, I, I deleted my Facebook account. I got a, a, a proton mail account. Uh, I, I did, I took a bunch of measures. I got a VPN measures to try to, you know, just make it harder to find me in a lot yep. of ways, but I don't know how yep. effective it's been. I, but. I heard a poor guy getting interviewed over the weekend on a show, and his daddy's a pastor. He said, well, the one thing that he said, he said, we used to go to D.C. to lobby for Israel. So I want to say, well, right. you're right. You're off on the wrong foot right there at the start. Uh, and uh, But anyway, uh, all he did was ask. He wanted to go in and use the bathroom. He had to go in and use the bathroom and ask him, and the guards pointed him to the bathroom and everything, and then they came and arrested him. <laughs> oh, my God. Wow. Oh yeah, and his his eighty oh. something year old pastor grandfather too. Oh no! These oh yeah. Are, oh, they're they're blood sucking Satanist communist bastards is what they are. Yeah, 
And yeah. you can yeah. easily totally see the example of the last two years should tell anybody with any kind of eyesight or brain power that you do not want these sorry bastards in charge of anything. No, no, especially our health care. Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, the Epoch Times put up an article uh, a while ago talking about how the federal government is tracking the unvaccinated. And towards the end of it, oh, they yeah. put an action. Yeah, they put an action plan. Here's some actions that you can take. And one of those actions is call your um, congressman and tell them that, quote, you expect them to protect your constitutional rights. Well, what, okay, hold on, Andy. What well, constitutional What constitutional exactly. rights? Exactly. Now, I, I put up a re, uh, response in the comments section. I'm gonna, I would, I'd like to read it to you if that's all right. Sure. All right, here's the thing, people. This entire regime is illegal and illegitimate. We are already in a civil war, but it's an information war, and most of you are casualties. The Epoch Times is helping to fight for truth, but they can't do it all, and they don't get it all. I'm finding little clues here and there that they don't fully understand the implications of what they're publishing. For instance, in the second part where they talk about contacting your congressional representatives, they tell you to expect them to protect the constitutional rights. This is one of the major fallacies of our time. Constitutional rights are rights that have been granted to us by the government and as such can be taken away. These are not the rights our founders envisioned for this country. They wrote the Constitution to protect rights that are already ours. When the 14th Amendment was ratified, they played with the words and slipped in a phrase which switched out our natural rights with, quote, privileges and immunities, end quote. And I quote the 14th Amendment, Section 1 there. And I say, see it there in the second sentence? Words mean things, and when they used those specific words, they had a specific meaning in mind. By accepting this amendment, we voluntarily accepted that we have, quote, privileges and immunities, not natural rights. You know, the other trick they yeah. used was, yeah? I'm gonna interrupt. I want to interrupt you for a second, Andy, on this point, because okay. it's straight to this point right here. You can All go right. into the you folks listening on the air, you get your trusty search engine out there and go to US code Title Forty Two. Title forty two is the civil rights code. Okay? And you want to go to Title Forty Two, section nineteen eighty three and nineteen eighty six. Both of them say the same thing basically. And they both say the privileges and immunities, your your point here, privileges and okay. immunities of the citizens of the United States are equal to those of the white citizens. That's right in the United States Code this very night, wow. February 26, 2023. That's right in the United States Code, the racist bastards, wow. right? Yep, yep. Okay, as Brent Winters, my, my co-host, says when I we get a chance to get together and do a show, he said, and he's an attorney, as you probably know, and he, he said, do you know the only thing that a judge hates worse than a Title 42 suit, Andy? Uh, no, I don't. The person that brought it. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay. <laughs> I just got a couple more sentences of this comment on the Epoch Times, and then um, okay, then I go just ahead. got a really 
quick question that I hope you can answer. Okay, quick, because I got other folks holding uh, now. So yeah, the other trick the they use can't be the, can't, can't be the Andy hour here. Go ahead. No, no. The other trick they used was when they added the modifier and subject to the jurisdiction Ooh, thereof. Boy, that's a big one. That's they, a big one. They implied that a person born or naturalized in the U.S. US could, in fact, not be subject to the jurisdiction. We Correct. have a choice. We can be U.S. citizens or we can be U.S. nationals. And then I link uh, the matrix docs. That's com. right. And it's your choice, and they can't say a damn thing about it, because if they do, they're open right. tyrants. It's that simple. Yep. So here's my question. I'm, I think I'm ready to send in my um, uh, affidavit to the Secretary of State. And I think okay. I heard you say last week that something about getting it notarized or you could have two witnesses. Oh, we, uh, and I was two witnesses. Okay. Two, two witnesses. This is biblical. Two witnesses suffice for a, a notary. Okay. Or you don't even have to get it notarized. I just got my passport renewed. I had mine ran out about a year and a half ago. I got a situation here. I needed to have an active passport in a window of time. Thank goodness I got one week left and I got it. But uh, I just sent in, because I'm in uh, Ecuador, of course, and they just don't have notaries on the corner here. They're attorneys. They got in all these, most of these Spanish cultures down here, a few years back, they split the duties of attorneys. And they all go to law school together for three years. But in the fourth year, they make a decision whether they want to be a contract attorney or a trial attorney. And a contract attorney is called an escabano. And a trial attorney is called an abogado. And so you, I'd have to go make an appointment with an attorney here to get the thing notarized. They want everything apostilled, which means you've got to have an exact translation there that's been certified. All kinds of garbage. I just sent in a declaration. I took the sample affidavit from the website. I've always sent them another one, the one we used to use with John and Glenn, five pages long. I said, I'm just going to send them this this time. So I went in and changed it. It says affidavit of citizenship evidence. I changed it to declaration of citizenship evidence, and I signed it, included it in my passport uh, application, and just picked up my little new passport, which is a little different, uh, last Tuesday. Okay. So, so they accept, and I'm it says right there in the instructions, in the warning box, you can attach documentation, comma, including affidavits. It's just that affidavits take on just a little bit higher posture in law, you know? Okay. And so right. that's why we, we, we suggest you guys can drop by the bank and get it notarized in most cases. Right. They don't okay. charge you, you know, so... All right. Anyway, so all right. getting it notarized isn't necessarily vital, but it doesn't hurt. No. It doesn't hurt because okay. uh, because an affidavit, if it's properly drawn up, properly formatted, properly notarized and documented, and presented to proper authority and stands unrebutted, it's the highest it's form of truth evidence. in law. It's the highest form yep. of truth in law, period. Oh, yeah. I remember back when uh, people were filing affidavits about the 2020 election. I was talking exactly. to a co-worker, it, it, and yep. they said, an affidavit isn't evidence. I'm like, yes, oh, it is. Well, as yes, as it is. Yeah. It's got to fit that it's criteria. Contradicted. It's got to be presented to prop authority and stand unrebutted. And they right. to rebut it, they've got to contradict the facts in your affidavit and sign it under penalty of perjury, too. That's why it'll never right. be rebutted. Right, right. All right, gotcha. 
Thank well, you. That pretty much ends the Andy hour. Okay. All right, Andy hour. Well, we'll see you next Sunday. <laughs> Thanks uh, for calling not. in, Andy. I, I usually, yeah, I usually call. Uh, usually go I, to church Sunday night, so it might be a while before well, I call back. Listen, in on, I want to. I want to. I want to thank you for planting that comment in Epoch Times. Epoch Times is a good organization. I like them. Okay. Yeah, I like them too. So. All right. You thank you, Andy. You have a good All one. Right. Okay, you too, my friend. Uh, next victim, Sam. Oh, my goodness, not him. Not, okay, you know my opening question, don't you? He's doing well. (laughs) (laughs) I'll keep it clean. (laughs) Okay, let's let the audience in on this. It's our old student and friend, Terrence. He's down there in the Naples area, and his email is mydogrex. So every time he ever calls in, I have to ask him about Rex because I love dogs, okay? Well, from one curmudgeon to another, uh, <laughs> I think we're doing pretty good. Um, Terrence, I'm sorry I've been sending you all these CDL drivers I've been getting calls from. Uh, that's all right. Uh, I've been working uh, midnight shift at 12 to 14-hour days, so it's kind of hard to get back to people. Um but I wanted to, to bring up, and I think it goes along with the discussion here. I'm more of a Lysander Spooner uh, advocate. Um, the Constitution is just a con job as far as I'm concerned, and, and you've uh, discussed many contradictions in themselves. But I want to go to one case that will let the people know exactly where, they, where and how they stand, and it's Bowers, B-O-W-E-R-S, versus DeVito, D-E-V-I-T-O. And it's, uh, I think it's 1985. And in that uh, federal court ruling, uh, appeals court ruling, it says there is a constitutional right not to be murdered by a state officer for the state violates the 14th Amendment when its officer acting under color of law deprives a person of life without due process of law. They don't want you killing their property. They don't want you killing their property. I'm sorry, Karen, for interrupting. Go ahead. But it doesn't say it's wrong because murder is wrong. It says it's wrong because it's a, it violates the 14th Amendment. Because they don't do want right you. Wrong. They don't want you. Can't go over in your neighbor's uh, uh, pasture back there and shoot their cow now. Come on, Terrence. Now, it goes on to say the Constitution is a charter of negative liberties that tells the state to let the people alone. It does not require the federal government or the state to provide services even so elementary a service as maintaining law and order. True that. The consti- so the Constitution is not a defense for any man or woman against the government because it does not require the government to perform anything. It's prohibitions, against, it's prohibitions against that very government from intruding on you. But at the same time, it says that the Constitution does not require the state... To uh, provide services, even maintaining right. law and order. That's right. Well, it is individual liberty, isn't it? Right. But, but what I want to get out of this is the government has no duty to protect you from anything, including madmen. And when the government becomes a madman, there is no there well, is no defense. Well. You know, and you, it's hard to take the situation in and these examples you're using and apply them back to that document the way it was intended because they didn't intend for the country to be in bankruptcy and controlled by a bunch of Satanist, Zionist monsters. 
Right. And and if they read the whole 14th Amendment, it changes the whole process of electing the government officials. It removes oh, yeah. them from the previous parts of the Constitution. It creates a whole new, it's a whole, it's a whole illusion, people. There is yep. no government. Uh, there is no legitimate government. No, I think. Well. Uh, unless you get out from under it and get back in touch with God, yeah, but that's and the, of course, that's the, uh, yeah, that's that's the, the version of it that that we have to even put them on notice that I'm not your slave. Like like yeah. from man to man, from me to you, I know I don't own you. My duty to you is to keep my hands to myself. If I keep my hands to myself together, and you do the same together, we are free from each other. I, an old Thomas Jefferson quote comes to mind, Terrence. He said, uh, I cannot understand or fathom why a man would want to own another man. Correct. And and that's that's all this is, is a, and his bankers. And when a man gets a government job, well, he seems to think he's the, a god. And well, no, the, these, these creeps have got it in their damn law, a, a holy book that they can own us. This comes right out of the Talmud. Well, you ain't got a soul. You're nothing more than a goyim cattle, and we got the right to own you from our holy book, buddy. Well, I look at the, at this Memphis police thing where ten police, black policemen, beat to death a black man. Right. It wasn't. There's no. Uh, but it was and, white and supremacy. The, it was white yeah, supremacy. No supremacy. Come on, man. <laughs> The state became the madman. The state became the madman, and the state has no duty to protect you from criminals or madmen. That's right. So, even if they're within their own ranks, you know the famous old Cicero uh, quote about the enemy inside the gates. Well, that's what we got right there. They dress in your clothing. They speak your language. A murderer is to be less feared. Cicero. Yep. Okay. Terrence, exactly. I got a couple other exactly. people hanging on. I hadn't talked to you in a coon's age. Great to hear your hey, voice. Roger, uh, Thank you. You're you're very you're very well tempered and uh, and I appreciate it. Enjoy. Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for all the help and holding down the uh, Collier County down there, isn't it? Uh, well, I'm in uh, Lee. So Lee. Okay. Well, that Naples area down there, I know it's yeah. secure with Terrence in town. So glad you're down there, buddy. <laughs> Thank you, Roger. I'll talk to you soon. Pet Rex for me, okay? Go give him a bone or something. Uh, Sam, who's next? Oh, my Lord, it's old home week here. Hey, Paul. Hey, how you doing? Hey, man. <laughs> yeah, I just got a couple of points. I've been listening to the show. I've also been sharing it to the Gypsy Room. Everybody's in there saying hi. Um, Hello. And Hello. Uh, I, a couple of points. I mean, you talked about uh, the the person that was speaking out against the Constitution, you know, equating it to a, a cult. Okay. Well, in order to reclaim your citizen, your your standing, your standing as a human being, as a child of God, you have to actually have the backbone. To stand up. Anybody that is fearful of the government is happy with their tyranny. Anybody yep. that, is, that has 
the backbone to stand up and to correct the government and tell them when they've done wrong, that is the free individual. Yep. We're not Breast- fearful. Breasticles and testicles. We are not fearful. We are in control of I, our own I, destiny. I, I tell you, it's these, it's these boys and girls that need to be fearful right there. They're the ones that better be shaking and laying awake at night. And I guarantee you some of them are, okay? Because they're getting exposed on every angle. Every facet of their agenda is being exposed right now, and that's the one thing they can't overcome. Well, there was one question. Uh, He couldn't understand why somebody would disagree with something and attack it. I can tell you exactly why someone would attack it. They fear it. Whatever. I I don't pay any attention to those people. We roll along. We find the people that are interested in the message, try and educate you up, let you know if you want to take your freedom and go chase it. You got the tools to now. You got a, You know you got a choice now that you probably didn't know up to this point that you had. So at that point, the ball's in your court. It's your freedom. You do what you want. Okay. Thanks, Paul. I got a couple other guys I don't want to get hung out to dry here. But thanks for calling in. Tell everybody hello. I'll see you all tomorrow. Okay. All right, Raj. Thank you, Paul. Good night. Okay. Our our technical wizard maestro. Who's next, Sam? Melissa in Maryland. Hello, Melissa. Oh, hi there. It's nice to talk to you. I always try to clear my Sunday night so that I can get my two-hour education from you. Well, aren't you uh, Yeah, yeah. I, I, I did tuition-free stuff, so, you know. Um, anyway, I've always thought of college degrees as something that you purchase, and this no, is no. tuition-free. So anyway, you can't purchase this is why I don't charge you. you got to earn it. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, I, that's just, and I'll, I'll tell you something else about college degrees before I go on to my question quickly. I wondered if you noticed about college degrees. College degrees in medicine are kind of the same way. Once you own a college degree, just like once you buy a prescription, you can't turn around and resell it. You notice yeah, that there is true. not an active market for used college degrees, right? There's not going to be much of an act, a market for used doctor degrees the way we're going. Yeah, um, because there's a market for for used college textbooks, but no market for used college degrees. So anyway, <laughs> right? And anybody that would um, buy one with that Marxist pablum's crazy anyway, new or used. Go ahead. Um, can you answer a question about whether something is against the law or not? I'm just going to give the question to you, and then if you can't answer it, and I apologize if it's Okay. Uh, not what you're well, trying to discuss. All right. Well, um, well, hold on. Let's let's make a differentiation. Are you talking about something against that's unlawful or unlegal? Because they're not the same. Well, you tell me. You tell me whether it's unlawful or illegal. I'll let I'll let you use the terminology for that. But basically, I'm trying to figure out. I see these Federal Reserve notes occasionally with messages written on them. Where's George and track George? And they're trying to get their their $1 bill Federal Reserve notes track, and they have this little website on there that allows you to, to track the, where the $1 bills go. So that's writing on a Federal Reserve note. Do you happen to know whether writing on a Federal Reserve note 
is unlawful or illegal? I uh, I'm, I think it probably is illegal. It's certainly not unlawful. You know, lawful is common law. And so for something to be unlawful, there's got to be an injured party. Well, there's certainly no injured party unless you stick a felt pin through George's mouth or something on, when you write on a bill. Well, I would say um, that there's an injured now, party if you couldn't spend a currency. That's what I would say. Well, I, I've never seen one refuse to be spent or accepted, but I do believe that defacing government uh, currency is a, a, a crime. And there was a guy, Nut, the, Vernon Dun, the Nuthouse, that had a that made a a, a ran a, a Ron Paul dollar years ago. He had his own little mint and stuff, and and they put him in jail for that. But the reason was is he put the word dollar on the coin. Okay. 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 But there, I believe there are laws against defacing currency, Melissa. Well, so writing writing on a Federal Reserve note is considered defacing currency. Oh, I, I'm, you know, this is not my area of expertise. I'm just giving you my opinion. I think it okay, is. Okay, because I was just going to say, you know, if, if I come across a bill that maybe somebody won't accept because it's dirty or whatever the case may be. Oh, you're in Argentina, worst comes are you? To worse, I'm sorry. You're in Argentina, are you? No, no, they I get didn't real, say that. I've never heard of people uh, not accepting a bill up there. The Federal Reserve keeps their currency, flu uh, uh, circulating currency, pretty clean. You should have seen what we had to deal with in Argentina. It was ridiculous, okay? I mean, okay. those things, no, no. you wouldn't even have used one of those for toilet paper, all right? They're taped together <laughs> and all kind of dirty, filthy dirty. Oh. But if you try and pass and exchange an American Federal Reserve note that even has a crease or a corner missing or something, they won't take it. Uh, uh, no, no, I was just going to say that if, if I have, if I feel uncomfortable handing it to somebody because it's too dirty, what I do is... I will just stick it in a vending machine and get some change for it, and the vending machine yeah. usually yeah. takes it no matter what kind of condition it's in. Well, I think they're all all dirty because of where they come from and the system behind them. They may look yeah. pristine. They're all dirty. Okay, who would you suggest I further inquire about this with? Oh, I, I have no idea, Melissa. Well, it's kind of an off offshoot question. Uh, I would uh, go into your search engine and put defacing the currency and see what comes up. Okay, thank you. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, dear. I love it. I will. They'll have to kill me. Okay, we got anybody else or we're about to run out of time? We're about to run out of time, aren't we, Sam? All right, well, you tell them I'm sorry I didn't get to them, and we'll be back next week, okay? Uh, you're always welcome to join us if you didn't get your question answered and you had one. Uh, I'm on the air six days a week over on our platform. It's totally open to uh, multitudes of people on there, any type of question or discussion. Uh, that you want to have, that's a place to join us unless you want to wait till next Sunday and Sam and I will be back together and uh, having all kinds of fun here for two hours. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, audience. I'll see you all next week. Corporate media dominates the American opinion. Finding independent voices that counter this avalanche is becoming increasingly difficult. With the endless corruption running rampant throughout our government, independent voices are needed more than ever to battle the offensive against our freedoms and liberties. As a listener of RBN, no one understands this concept better than you. 
Now it's up to you to do your part. The time has come for you to take action and begin broadcasting the truth to hundreds or thousands of people every month. Sound impossible? Quite the contrary. With pointed slogans from LibertyStickers.com, you can reach countless sleeping Americans unaware that they live in a real-life wonderland. LibertyStickers.com has a huge inventory of political bumper stickers and messages that reflect the truth about our government, our politicians, and the future of America. With so many in stock, there's one perfect for you. Visit us today at LibertyStickers.com. Again, that's LibertyStickers.com. Do your part. Your voice is important. Let it be heard. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. <laughs> 